This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. All right, welcome back to the WOMED. We have another amazing badass woman on. Uh, her name is Dr. Susie Brown, and she is not only a cardiologist focusing in congestive heart failure and cardiac transplant, but she's also a singer-songwriter. And that so Nashville. I love it. <laughs> and she's really good. Yeah, and she's really good. So yeah, like, we'll really link your, we'll have everyone be able to find you like on Spotify and iTunes. Yay. <laughs> well, Susie, welcome. We're so excited you're here with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. We, um, so normally in the beginning of an episode, we do what's called a lubrication question. We're, we got to get it in. Okay. It's like a funny, like, would you rather type oh, situation. Okay. So. Shoot. Would you rather time travel plus or minus 20 years every time you farted <laughs> or teleport <laughs> to a different place on earth every time you sneeze? Mm, I would say different place on earth. Yeah. Every time I sneeze, yeah, me definitely. Too. Oh man, I would never want to go back. No, years. if it was like a hundred, I would yeah. say, yeah, I, I would check it out. <laughs> or would, be, would it be 20 years of my own life or just yeah. 20 years? Yeah. Oh, no, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. I, agree. I, don't, I don't miss all that angst. No. <laughs> yeah, I do not miss all that angst. <laughs> oh God, you, we Danny? all agreed on the same thing. Yeah. This is like a first time. Yeah, and we actually, all agree on we'd rather sneeze and teleport. <laughs> yeah, see, totally. Um, and I also just particularly miss traveling at this moment in my life because I haven't done yes. it that much. Mm. So I kind of have a travel bug right now. So I'm yeah, like, oh, for yeah, sure. take me to Paris. Hell yeah. Here on the WOMED, we are loving your super mixes. Your super is on a mission to improve people's health with the power of super plants. The reality is, Nine out of 10 people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, and I am definitely guilty of being that person. But your super makes it ridiculously easy to get the nutrients your body needs to thrive. I have been loving my super greens mix. I add it to my matcha latte in the morning, and it's a great way to get a serving of greens and keep my immune system in top shape. It also has chlorella in it, which I have been reading is being shown to help with hair strength and growth. The mixes are made from naturally dried, organic, whole, and superfoods, and nothing else. And they have a 100% transparent supply chain to prove it, since they know all their farmers. And for every mix you buy, your super donates a life-saving food bar to someone in need. Get the cleanest superfood and plant protein mixes at YourSuper.com. That's Y-O-U-R Super.com. And you can get 15% off your order when you use the code WOMED, W-O-M-E-D, at checkout. Just go to YourSuper.com and get 15% off at checkout with code WOMED. When did you, did the songwriting come before med school or is this something you found during it? Have you always been doing it or tell us, tell us about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um. I always, I mean, this is super cliche, but I did always love singing. I would sing obsessively in my bedroom. Um, yeah. And that was pretty much it. Uh, growing up, I I would learn like every word to every song on the albums I loved. and mm-hmm. But it was a kind of a private thing for me, um, except for some like camp musicals and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I don't know, I went to public high school and the only singing involved in school was like with the jazz band and I wasn't really Mm -hmm. interested in that. And I guess maybe I was shy. Yeah, so I just like did it to myself, did it for myself. Um, And then I decided to study pre-med in college uh, because I've always just been better at math and science than I was at the humanities. And um, my parents were both doctors, so I had good role models. They loved their jobs. And then my last year of college, on a total whim, at the very last minute, I ran over and tried out for an acapella group, which is something. That's so cool. Yeah. I had acapella envy all through college. I really wanted to be in one of those groups, but I just didn't have the guts to try out because I'd never really, like, done that, you know, um, 
outside my room. Um, yeah. But I made the groove and it just was like a real game changer for me. Just in that, first of all, the feeling I got when I was singing out loud with other people and harmonizing, mm-hmm. I mean, I had never felt that before. Yeah. Um, and also just, I had a sense of belonging with those people that I never found mm-hmm. in any other group. Um, I have kind of the blessing and the curse to be a bit of a social chameleon. Yeah. Um, I can kind of fit in anywhere, but I think inside I didn't, I felt out of place a lot. And, yeah. um, and then I realized, wow, these are my people. I've been looking for you guys. These are my people. <laughs> well, there you are. <laughs> Me. And, um, but it was just that one year, my senior year, and I had plans to go to med school. I took two years off between college and med school to um, do research. Mm-hmm. And so I was just working in a lab. And that's when I bought a guitar because I was so desperate to have a way to keep singing. And so yeah. I figured, well, if I can't be in the group anymore, I'll just be my own one woman band. It's um, <laughs> awesome. And so I taught myself just like some, you know, covers. I would figure them out by ear and I wrote them in this little green notebook I had. Um, mm. And that was that. And then right before I started med school, I went to Berkeley College of Music for a summer. Um, mm. And me and a bunch wow. of high, high schoolers who are just like, they have this summer camp. It's not particularly like prestigious or anything. You just sign up. But mm-hmm. um, just as like a palate cleanser before I started med school. And I was just immersed in music. And I began to completely panic because <sighs> I just didn't want to lose that feeling I had yeah. of like making music. And I had a total breakdown in my last voice lesson. And um mm-hmm of the summer and um my teacher Deirdre said you know what Susie you're lucky you're good at more than one thing you know this is all Mm -hmm. I have and I you know you could be Aretha Franklin these days and not know where your next paycheck's coming from so if I were you I'd go off to med school and find time for music later Mm -hmm. so I mean I had never written a song I had never performed in public really I mean Mm -hmm. except for in college um so it just didn't really make sense that I was drawn to it so much but I just was. So I went off to med school and I did make time for music anywhere I could um, in a variety of ways. I found friends to jam with and I was in mm-hmm. a local production of Hair. Um, oh, the so cool. We, yes. Yes, we did do the full Monty. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, and, you know, just stuff like that. And I finished med school. I went on to residency in Boston. Same thing. I just found people. And then I moved to Philadelphia for my cardiology training. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anyone there. And, you know, you work pretty hard as a cardiology fellow. And yeah. I, just, um, I didn't have time, like, to really reach out to any sort of community. Um, and it, I found that remarkably hard not yeah. to have anyone to share it with anymore. And um, I finished my clinical part of my fellowship and I went into the lab because I thought I wanted to do basic science research. So I was going to spend two years getting a master's degree which I did do. But during that time, I had my nights and weekends free for the first time in like 11 years. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. like yeah. I finally yeah. didn't have to be in the hospital overnight and on the weekends. And um, so I had all this free time. And while I was doing experiments in the lab, I would just listen to my, listen to music all day. And I started really like doing a deep dive into the local Philly music scene. Um, so I would just go see music all the time. I really got to know a lot of the local musicians. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anyone that I sang because I didn't really sing outside my bedroom. Um, but I just like, it just kind of all came to a head and, um, I had found someone like to just jam with and we were playing covers and he said, Susie Brown, why are you not writing songs with how you sing? And I said, well, oh. I don't want to write something. I don't want to write something that sucks. And he's like, you have oh, a very oh. beautiful voice, by the way. Thank you. And he's like, well, of course you're going to write something that sucks. Everyone does. You just don't play mm-hmm. those ones. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and then like right around then I broke up with my crappy boyfriend and I was feeling real blue. And I figured, you know what, Susie Brown, you don't you write, write some songs. If yeah. you don't write a song <laughs> when you're feeling like this, you will never write a song. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I wrote my first song and I went out to this open mic night. I didn't tell anyone I knew. I just showed up to this open mic night and I was shaking like a leaf. Um, And I played this song and the only other song I knew well enough to play in public. Uh, I didn't even have a guitar strap. I didn't know how to play a guitar standing up so they had to find a stool for me. Um, But it was like crack. I mean, it was just like crack. 
Um, wow. And I just couldn't stop writing more songs and I couldn't stop going back to this open mic night. Mm -hmm. And um, then they asked me to perform in this like best of the Fergie's open mic night like performance and then I just got more bold and started opening for friends of mine and their shows and like within a few months I was playing like 10 shows a month around Philly wow you know, little shows, but I just on top of like, doing like all the research and like lab yeah, work and stuff yeah wow um, and I was supposed to be writing this career development grant for the American Heart Association that would have gotten me five years of funding for my research and I just like I just didn't want it I just felt like yeah. if I get this grant I'm gonna feel like I'm in jail yeah. Mm -hmm. And I also had plans to go back and do another formal year in heart failure and transplant, a full-time clinical year. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't envision going back to full-time medicine yeah. after starting this music thing. So I basically, you know, I was like just in a panic mode. I was so anxious. I didn't know what to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I, it all like became clear to me when I stopped by my friend's house on the way home from the gym one night, like I literally had chest pain. I was having like almost a panic attack. So stressed yeah. about this. And she said, well, why are you writing the grant then? You know, if you don't want it, why are you writing it? And I said, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm just afraid to tell everybody I don't want it. And she said, yeah. Susie, that is a terrible reason to write a grant. <laughs> She's like, there are so many people who would die for that grant. Don't write the grant. Who cares? You know, you don't want it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want it. I really don't want it. Um, so, and it just so happened my parents were coming down. I was opening for Livingston Taylor. It was my first like kind of bigger show at this theater. Mm -hmm. And they came down for the show and I like sat them down. I thought it was going to be this big thing where I had to tell them I was not going to do research. And that I, um, and I basically said, this makes me happier than anything I've ever done. And yeah. I just need to make more time for it because I can, mm -hmm. I can work part time somewhere pay my bills, pay my med school loans. And I can mm -hmm. have time for this thing that just makes me so happy and fulfilled. Yeah. And if I don't do this and I get hit by a bus in two years, I'm never going to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, okay, are we done now? I'm hungry. Let's go to brunch. Like they just didn't even, <laughs> didn't even phase them. They were fine with it. Yeah. Um, well, they was, love you. They support you. It was such a blessing to have their support. Mm -hmm. Um, so I finished my degree, finished my fellowship, and I found a part-time job in cardiology, figuring that I would go back to my real life, you know, mm -hmm. in a few years after I had had fun with music. And it's like 11 years later now. And I've never wow. gone back. Yeah. And I've made six albums. And um, wow. yeah, this is definitely my real life. I just didn't know it then. Yeah. It's no secret that the WOMED loves third love. Danny and I were skeptical. How can you find the right size bra without going to the store and trying them on? The answer is easy. It's their Fit Finder quiz. It's actually fun to take and takes into consideration your bra sizes you are currently wearing and how they fit along with your breast shape. They also have more than 80 sizes available, including half sizes. And I had never heard of half sizes before when it comes to bras. You have 60 days to wash and wear the bra. And if you don't love it, Return it, and Third Love will wash and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, and right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash WOMED now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash WOMED for 15% off today. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. So you've been, you basically been working part-time. You were lucky enough to find a part-time cardiology job. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and it's interesting. I mean, so I was at Penn and I'd always been at these big name academic places and um, mm -hmm. Penn actually did offer me a, a part-time job. It was like a terrible job. It was, it was just a terrible job offer, mm -hmm. bad money. And they basically have like a rule in the bylaws of the institution that you can't be part-time for more than six years. And then you have to be <laughs> full-time. Um, oh. 
And so uh, the last thing I wanted was to build a practice and then have to just leave after six years. Yeah, I totally. Didn't know that I really wanted to go back full time. So yeah. I got a job. I looked all around at like private practices, small practices. I mean, places I never thought like you know would be good mm -hmm. enough for me. Shows how much I knew. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So much. So it shows how much they knew and I didn't. Um, and realized that there were like great cardiology practices who practice really good medicine take great care of their patients. And no, they're not at a big name academic medical center, but they do great work. Yeah. Um, and so I explored a lot of those options and um, ended up taking a job at Einstein Medical Center in Philly, oh, yeah. which is a Je Jefferson affiliate and uh, like a community, like Jefferson affiliate in the hood. Um, yeah. And um, and I, as a heart failure, which is, I was interested in doing heart failure, they had mm -hmm. a heart failure program and a, VAT, a destination VAD program. Um, mm -hmm. So I took a 60% job there. And, um, and I worked there for five years. And then we moved to Nashville. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. So, but you still, I mean, like Einstein's a big enough name, too. I mean, you probably got like it was, experience it was lucky. there, too. It was lucky that I, I found that job because it, it, the, it actually is a... Um, it's an academic medical center and most of the residents and fellows are foreign medical grads. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like one of the best foreign medical grad programs in the country. So it, it the, I mean, they were so sophisticated and so bright and so motivated. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, the cardiology fellows were like as good or better than the Penn fellows I worked with. It was just a pleasure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was like that working at the Model me. UN. It was so diverse That's and it was so a fun. really fun place to be. That's so fun. Yeah. For sure. I feel like that at my job too. Yeah. I don't say, everybody knows where I work, but I don't say where I work, but I feel the same way. It's just like people from <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. They're all so hardworking. It's, it's so motivating. Yes. And when mm -hmm. I complain, I look around and I'm like, stop yeah. complaining. Yeah. Like you have yeah. nothing to complain about. Right. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was wow. great. And it was, you know, that day when I went to my cardiology fellowship program and said, well, I'm going to leave at the end of the year to go be a folk singer. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, was, that was a thing. But, um, but no one gave me a hard time, really. Like the only yeah. person who gave me a hard time was this one person that I had been doing research with. And I don't really know why. I think maybe he thought maybe my research had some promise and he mm -hmm. thought I was throwing it away. I don't know that well, he was right. <laughs> there always yeah. has to be yeah. one. Yeah. But even like the big name people were like, go do that. I don't know. All my papers are just collecting dust in a library somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Know, who cares about research? Go be happy. I don't know. I was I lucky that way. So when did you go on to do the, um, like specialize in cardiac transplant surgery? Well, it's, when I finished cardiology, Philip, there were no fellowships. There were no official heart transplant fellowships. Mm -hmm. So most people did an informal extra year to learn transplant. And that, mm -hmm. that is ventricular assist device or like mechanical okay. pumps that you put in the heart. Mm -hmm. Either, you know, basically permanently you can go home with them either as a way to get people to transplant or as a, you know, last therapy they're going to have. Um, and I had planned on doing that year. But um, but I decided not to to go get this job. So when I when I went to um, Einstein, I knew heart failure just from my cardiology training, and um, mm -hmm. and I had done a little bit of extra heart failure stuff during my research years, um, and then I mostly learned bad on the job. Yeah, and then I had pretty much no transplant experience when I came to Vanderbilt, and they knew that obviously, and mm -hmm. um, I just I just learned it on the job. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Just learned it on the job. That's love so it. neat. Yeah. I mean, you learn how to learn. That's one thing that medical training teaches yes. you. Learn how to learn new things. Mm -hmm. You really, I feel like that's what I do every day as yeah. a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, we don't, we come out generalized with general training as right. much as some nurse practitioner, you know, like nurse practitioner associations like to say that we're come out, we come out fully trained. Like that's a lot. No one comes out but fully trained. No, no one comes out fully trained no and we all does. need There's to help. There's such a learning curve when you I hit don't the feel floor. like I'm fully trained now. I've been on a fellowship <laughs> for 10 years. No, I'm not oh like, we're, yeah, we're, we're Things all, are always yeah. changing. <laughs> if you were fully trained then in 10 years, you won't be anymore because everything's different. T totally. And I yeah. feel like I'm a first year resident. I feel like I came out 
it's like sink or swim, good luck, you know? And so I'm like praying by my fourth year or something, I feel like I can handle myself. But yeah, yeah, I think that's like, I do finally feel like I have enough gray hairs that I've, you know, I've seen most of these stories before. Oh my God. You probably have seen, especially like the places that you've worked. I can't even imagine, but I think it's really cool that you didn't have a, a formal fellowship because it didn't exist at the time, but you're working at Vanderbilt, which is an amazing cardiac program, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've learned it on the job. I mean, you clearly had plenty of training beforehand, like not to discount anything. And there are plenty of people around. There are always people around to ask. I mean, that's, that's the nature of being in the medical field. You have to be willing to take advantage of the people around you when you don't, you have to know what you don't know and you have to be willing to ask. That's, I mean, really a key part of being a good caregiver yeah that should be the title of this episode <laughs> you yeah. have to know what you don't know you do you yeah <laughs> totally I can, I can tell you the five rules of being a good doctor that my sister told me when I I'm sure this applies to okay. being a nurse practitioner or, or a nurse um number yeah. one trust no one suspect sabotage okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know like if something's important you have to make sure it's done yourself Mm-hmm. Um, number two, treat acute things acutely and chronic things chronically. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really okay. good one. That's yeah. great. Um, when someone comes in with 20 medical problems, you don't have to treat them all. You have to treat the most important one like, that brought them in. Yeah. Um, number three, check the meds. Mm-hmm. Uh, all about the meds. Yes. Yep. Number yeah. four, um, play well in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to get along with other people. Um, and number five, patients sometimes lie. <laughs> These are so great. I'm yeah. marking this down where we're recording right now because I'm going to go back and I'm going to write That's all of it. this down because it's, it's so freaking good. Yeah. So yeah. good. So perfect. Oh my God. I love you. You're, <laughs> you're so, you're so great. I knew you're this would so be a real. good match too. With you. I love her. is never my specialty. I mean, like <sighs> Nikki wise. Um, I mean, I, we would do like the balloon cystostomies or like ECMO yeah. and have the, mm-hmm. um, the tets and like all of our normal, like mm-hmm. cardiac pre- baby cardiac stuff. But like, That's so it was never my specialty. Do, oh God. The congenital stuff makes my head spin. Yeah. Um, stuff's so hard. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> I have so a problem hard. like envisioning the, he- the, the heart and like, Oh, definitely. What like is where, why is this so much smaller? Like the hypoplast and, I'm Where's always, the blood going? <laughs> yeah. Google images. I always pull it up on like every time. Someone yeah. says, well, they had a mustard and then this shunt. And I'm always, mm-hmm. I always have to look it up again. I never, yeah, I so never cool. can reach it. My, my sister's a neonatologist, by the way. Oh, awesome. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, like, know, is there right? anyone that's not a doctor? My brother. What my is brother. it? What is he? A, he's a lawyer? Like the smartest of all of us. Um, oh, really? He's, um, he's a drummer, right? No, he is a bass player. <laughs> Okay. Oh my! I love bass players. They're so much fun. Yep. Um, and then he he does like like high level computer programming stuff. He's like a he's like a math nerd. That's that's so so cool. cool. Yeah. Where did you guys get your artistic talent? Are your parents artistic and kind of like in the closet about it or something? Or like where did this come from? Well, um, my mom has a lot of musical people in her family, like Mm -hmm. in her bigger family. She played the piano growing up. My dad. plays the guitar and um, was a member of a folk trio in Montreal in the sixties. Oh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. But um, then he went it's off wild. to high school and that was that. But, um, <laughs> but I think, I don't really know exactly where, I mean, there's definitely a love of music in my house um, mm-hmm. and yeah. And scattered around. Well, my grandfather, my mom's father was a professional violinist. So I guess that's an obvious one. Oh, really? My dad's a professional no. violinist. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He's retired now, but he played for the St. Louis symphony for wow. quite a few years and traveled all over That's to so training. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Where did you know where he played? Your grandfather? Well, was they your were grandfather? in Montreal. Yeah, in Montreal. Oh, they were. Yeah. And okay. um, he ended up, well, in, in the Second World War, he was part of the entertainment corps for the Canadian Army. Oh, my God. So cool. My dad played in the U.S. Army. Oh, wow. Also. Yeah, cool. yeah. He played at like, West so Point, the West Point <laughs> Band. <laughs> band. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so they definitely were probably a little bit more supportive of, of you pursuing both careers then because they, I mean, your dad was in a, a folk singer yeah. band too. So. And my parents, it's a little different in Canada. Um, 
just the whole culture, the whole mm -hmm. culture of like going to an Ivy League school. And I don't know, like, in, I mean, it's not that people aren't, aren't ambitious or, but it's, I don't know. My parents are just don't have the same mindset as I think, I don't know. They're a little bit different. But when they were, when they were going off to college, they, you, everyone lived with their parents in college. You either went to McGill if you were smart or there was like St. Anne, something else, like, you know, mm -hmm. for the people who didn't get into McGill. And then, yeah. you know, you did what you were going to do, but it wasn't this, I don't know when, when my older sister was going to apply to colleges, because we grew up here. Um, they had no, they did, they were like, wait, you want to do what? You want to go where? They just, I don't know. They were like, sure, whatever you want. But they didn't, they're not so focused. They were focused on us doing our best, yeah. but weren't so focused on that we had to go to Harvard or we had to do this or we mm -hmm. had to do that. Um, and I think, I think if I had told them that I was going to give up medicine altogether, you know, live in my Prius, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> tour around, you know what I mean? I think that would have been different, but yeah. <laughs> I had never had any intentions of doing that. And I could always support myself and, um, and I was just so much happier. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I totally put you up for that. I think it takes serious cojones to, thank you. It, I mean, after all of that and like the external pressures too, from like colleagues, parents, whatever, yeah. I, I honestly can't imagine. Like, I think that's amazing. I'm jealous. I I'm a lot of people say that, but I don't feel that brave about it. Like I'm, I was like as subject to that pressure as anybody. And I put it on myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for better or worse, when I was in my twenties, cause I did go to Harvard medical school and I did my residency at the Brigham <laughs> and uh, my fellowship wow. at Penn. And I feel like, um, I was so insecure in every other way. And that was like the one thing that I could count on to make me feel good about myself. Like, oh, well, yeah. I'm so smart, you know, at least like mm -hmm. I'm smart and I'm a good doctor and, you know, I get these pats on the back. Um, but I don't know. I just like when I, I was in the lab and um, thinking about applying for jobs or doing this fellowship. And I realized that I, I would look around at the attendings and, um, I just was like, wow, I'm not like them really. Mm -hmm. I'm just not the same. I'm not like them. And I don't really want that job. I don't really want to be in the hospital all the time. I just don't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what sort of indirectly drew me to research because I thought it would at least provide a little more flexibility in my schedule. I don't know. I just felt different. And and as soon as I had a taste of how happy I, I felt when I started doing the music thing, I didn't mm -hmm. even feel like I had a choice. It, the other stuff just didn't feel important to me anymore. It, yeah. it sincerely didn't feel important to me anymore. What was important to me, the validation I needed was to know I was taking really good care of my patients. Mm -hmm. That's really, yeah. that's the metric that I need, you know, but I, yeah. the other stuff, I just didn't care anymore. I was like, good. So you're at this fancy place, but you never see your family. And I mean, and, and in truth, like, no, and nothing against anybody with one of those jobs, if they're happy, I just realized like, wow, I'm not going to be happy with one of those jobs. I, yeah. that's just me. So it didn't feel at the, I know it seems like really gutsy, but at the time I just felt like I had no choice. I just mm -hmm. had no choice. I think it's gutsy. I, I really do though. I just, I feel like there are so many people who are working full-time in healthcare and feel trapped or their egos won't let them out. Right. Or, you know, even if somebody else had all of the credentials that you do, Harvard, mm -hmm. Brigham, Penn, Vanderbilt, whatever. I mean, sometimes those can be the most, you know, like large inflated egos on the planet that would never let oh, them leave. Definitely. So like, I seriously like mad props. I feel like everything that you're saying is related to, have you ever seen dead poet society? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, where Robin Williams is saying that thing about, I just recently posted it on my account um, where he's like medicine, law, um, engineering, our noble pursuits, but music, love, poetry or something. That's what we truly live for yeah. or something. I feel like they go together, but yeah. um, you know, obviously you know your passion and what feeds you and what you require to be a good doctor also. And you require yeah, to be able to do your music. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just came up a week in the ICU um, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm depleted. I am yeah. toast. And cause it takes, I mean, end of life discussions, it's exhausting. end of life discussions. And <clears throat> I'm good. I feel like I'm good at them, you know, because I'm so sensitive, you know, mm -hmm. and I care mm -hmm. so much, but it takes so yeah. much out of me. 
Um, and I just couldn't do it full time. I, I, yeah. I would just be a wreck. I would be a shell of myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. Do you use um, music then to kind of fill yourself back up after you've Absolutely. given so much of yourself out? Yeah. I got, I just got like, just emotionally, I was, it was rough last week. And um, mm-hmm. I I keep this little travel guitar in my office um, <laughs> just in case, like for emergencies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this doesn't happen often. I don't know if this has even ever happened in five years at Vanderbilt, but I just kept like, Last week I was like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, like I just felt like I got a, such a beat down, an emotional beat down. And um, mm-hmm. I just started thinking about like, I wish I was bulletproof. I wish I was more bulletproof, you know, and then yeah. I just couldn't help it. I just like picked up my guitar and I started this song in my office about being bulletproof and I finished it this weekend. That's I mean, amazing. between like, you know, going to and from work. But yeah, it's such a pop off out for me. And it feels so good to sing that song now. Yeah. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. Wow, that's so special. Do you think that'll help you, like, with burnout? Like, do you do you Definitely. feel yourself ever burning out? Oh, well, a little I was bit? super burned out when I was a cardiology fellow. Oh, but yeah. I'm not, I don't get burned out anymore because every time I feel it, I have a week off. Because <laughs> I work, <laughs> right. my schedule is one week on, one week off. Oh, that's, oh, that's lovely. Really so nice. I work for a week and now I'm like home and um, I have some, I have a, like a song, I have a write, a co-write scheduled for Wednesday and my kids mm-hmm. are on fall break. So I'm going to hang out with them. We might go to Memphis on Thursday. You know, I get time nice. to recharge, exercise. That's so good. Nap. Yeah. <clears throat> that's wonderful. When did you, uh, how did the, how did the kids get in there? <laughs> when oh, did you find um, time to do that? Well, I, well, I met my husband, um, in Philly, um, when I was making my first full length album, he came into the studio to borrow something and we were introduced briefly. And then, um, the next day when he came to like give back what he had borrowed, we saw each other again. Um, actually it was embarrassing because we had been up at the studio so late and I was so tired. I had like my Dartmouth sweatshirt on and I had just gotten out of the shower Mm -hmm. and my hair was soaking wet and I was doing these really weird vocal exercises. (laughs) So there's this like horn music coming out of my car and I had to roll down my window and ask him to move and it was really embarrassing. But anyway, (laughs) he probably and then we were at the same wedding like a few hours later. What? Later that night. Yeah. So we met like three times in 24 hours. Oh, Um, that's a meet cute for mm -hmm. sure. It sure Mm -hmm. is. And um, we got married 11 months later. Whoa. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So we got married in 2011. And mm-hmm. um, and then I was pregnant with Josie when we um, when we moved to Philly. So wow. I, I, both of my girls were born in, in Nashville. But I have two girls. Uh, Josephine is five. She just started kindergarten here in East oh. Nashville. Oh, and, um, and then Chloe's three and a half. Chloe David. Oh, Bowen. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. so awesome. You are like. Ah, that's like my dream. Oh my God. Two girls. I just, I'm telling you, it's freaking amazing. I love those girls. I can tell. (laughs) I can tell. They're probably so lucky to have you. You just seem like you'd be the coolest mother too. Yeah. They're like my favorite people. They're just like, my husband was out of town this weekend. He was, he plays drums with his band and, um, I came home from work and, um, I took him to the pool at the Y and then we all went out to sushi. My, they love sushi. Um, <laughs> and then we came home and we were like snuggling and like reading books. And I was thinking like, I literally don't want to be hanging out with anyone. I mean, I would love it if my husband was home, but like, yeah. they're like my favorite people to be with. I love, they're just so fun. They're just, I love being with them. That's I, amazing. Yeah. They're just so great. I love those. I love those kids. Oh, that's wonderful. I love hearing them in the background too. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. No. I love the noises. Danielle's cat gets in there sometimes. Oh, yeah. My dog. I love hearing the kids. I think it's like cool. Gives it some character, you know? Yeah. yeah so yeah, <laughs> so they have got... no school this week. So it's like party. Yes, nice. of course. Of course. <laughs> 
you've got you've got so much going on like how do you how do you balance all of this like time with your kids and time with work and music and I mean obviously like you you get like a week off in between to like recharge but like do you have any tips for people that are like you know maybe in your same boat or wanting to take time off from medicine or cut back or I mean I would say about like taking time off and cutting back. I mean, just to remember that this is your life and you can do what you want to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. all these rules are just kind of made up that you're supposed to be at this kind of place or you're supposed to do this kind of job. Um, You can't have it all. So if you want to be at a major academic medical center um, in Boston or New York or one of these really desirable cities, you're probably not going to get exactly the work-life balance you want or the exactly the job you want mm-hmm. um so you have to decide what's most important to you you know you may only get like the part-time job you want in Cincinnati or you mm-hmm. know in a other city or another place or a different field um from what you thought was your favorite and you just have to prioritize and decide what's most important to me and what am I willing to let go because you're not mm-hmm. going to get it all yeah. um mm-hmm. So I w- that's what I would say. If your big priority is to have more time or have time to do this or just have time to garden or be with your family, then you're going to have to give up something else in medicine. Um, I've completely given up research. I do mm. not, I am not advancing my career at all. I'm just a clinician. Yeah. I take care of patients. That's what I do. And um, I'm never going to have a corner office. No one's really going to ever have heard of me because of the major <laughs> contributions that I've made to transplant medicine, that, that's just not going to happen. But I'm really yeah. fine with that. I, that's just, that's less important to me. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so you can't have it all. So just, you got to be really clear with yourself about what your priority is and, and be true to that. Um, mm-hmm. And then my balance, I mean, it's impossible to balance. Um, so you just, the balance is is in flux all the time. It's not like, one day you're like, oh, I have my balance now. I'm good. You know, no, because different things come up. Like I just finished making an, and releasing an album. So it's been bananas. Yeah. Like the music part mm-hmm. of me has been totally bananas since like January. Mm-hmm. Um, so other things have had to, you know, has have had to give a little bit. Um, but now, like now that my album's out and it's been out for two and a half months, I feel like the dust is settling a little bit and I kind of, I'm going to, I, I'm going to, in my off weeks, spend more time just, honestly, I've spent the last couple off weeks, I've been a little bit sick, actually, from viruses mm. from my kids. But other than yeah. that, I've like I've been so exhausted. I haven't really been able to do much of anything. I bring yeah. my kids to school. I pick them up. But like, I, it's like all I can do to just get groceries and keep toilet yeah. paper. Yeah. I was like, I'm just really tired. So yeah. I'm just giving myself that time to exercise and just like, rest and stare at a wall and watch some tv and you Mm -hmm. know spend some more time with my kids and then and now I'm feeling a little better so I'm starting to book some more rights again Mm -hmm. um I just want to get really creative in the next few months and just not put pressure on myself to have any specific musical goals um Mm -hmm. so it's just there are seasons for different things and I just try Mm -hmm. and listen to myself and what I need that's wow. really smart. That's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so practical. Yeah. yeah. It's so practical. It's like painful. It hits you like, oh yeah, she's totally right. Yeah. It's so real. But I don't <laughs> always feel like I have the right balance, but I pay right. attention to when I feel that way and then try and make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm really prone to putting pressure, like false, like pressure up, like saying I have to do this. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. but I don't really have to do that. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be this week? you know so I I really try and I have a list in my phone of like things I need to do and I just some of them I'm like yeah that can happen later that's okay you know um yeah so I just try and I just try and look at things that way now I'm also kind of curious do you ever try and incorporate any like music therapy in with your patients like do you do do you ever play for your patients or, oh, do you ever participate in like musicians on call or anything like that? Musicians on call started in Philly, actually. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought uh-huh. it was New York. Yep. Or maybe it was in New York, but they had it in Philly when I okay. was there through WXPN. And um, I did some stuff. I, I did 
actually, I don't know if I ever officially was with musicians on call, but I did every Christmas. I used to go around with a guitar mm-hmm. and Einstein, Scott and I would go um, and play for some of my patients, but I haven't done mm-hmm. that here. Honestly, I just don't have any minutes left in the day to do anything yeah. in addition to what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I haven't done that. And also I sort of feel like in terms of developing a good therapeutic alliance with my patients, I, I don't really talk about the music thing. If they um, yeah. if they discover it on their own, I'm happy to talk about it. But at first and foremost, mm-hmm. I'm their doctor. Um, yeah. yeah. trying to keep it that way. So you just finished an album. Mm-hmm. So what it, what are you doing with your music right now? Just chilling out? Was your, or you can talk a little bit about your last album if you want to yeah, or something like that. Like, where did that come from? What inspired it? I'm super proud of this album. Um, It's my Mm. sixth, my sixth studio album. And I, I definitely think it's the best of my career. Um, It was born out of feeling really far away from my musical self um, in that I came to Nashville seven months pregnant. Um, I had two kids 20 months apart. Mm-hmm. you know, still about working at halftime, but still working as a, as a cardiologist. And I basically felt like I barely left East Nashville for like three years, just yeah. trying to keep it all together. And, you know, my kids, my, my family are by far my top priority. I'm really clear on that. Numbers one mm-hmm. to 10 on my list are my kids and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and my job is not flexible. Um, I, that's not going to give it yeah. all. So you know, my work and my family came first and then music just had to take a little bit of a step back. Um, and I was still writing some, but not, not nearly as much. And I made two albums, you know, in the first few years I was here, but I didn't have like the time or bandwidth to put much behind them. And, um, I'm proud of them. I think they're great, Mm -hmm. but I just felt, um, out of practice. I felt like, I just felt really rusty and out of practice. I hadn't been mm-hmm. playing many shows. Um, I hadn't been writing much. And because um, like in my free time, I was so tired yeah. from having young kids. And, you know, the yeah. house is a total disaster. And um, and it's just so much easier to empty the dishwasher than to try and write a song. Because that's yeah. like, I can just check yeah. that off the list. It's just like, oh, I don't know. feel like I got something done in my day. Um, <laughs> and I felt really kind of intimidated in Nashville in that nobody knew me. You know, in Philly, I was a much bigger fish in a smaller pond. And here mm-hmm. I came and like nobody even knew me. Um, and everyone's so amazing here. And I had never really written songs with anyone before. I used to mm-hmm. just write by myself. So the whole co-writing thing was a new scene for me. For those of mm-hmm. you who are not from Nashville, in Nashville, you don't have a cup of coffee together. You write a song together. You run yeah. into something uh, and you're like, oh yeah, let's write together. Yeah. Um, it's this really casual thing, but um, oh, it, wow. wasn't, it wasn't to me. It felt like having sex on the first date. <laughs> you, know? like you, you get together so with someone. Personal. Like you, yeah, you, you get really like personal with people real quick. Yeah, really personal. So, <laughs> um, so I just, when I was on maternity leave with Chloe, I just decided... Um, songwriters write songs and if I think if I'm going to think of myself as a songwriter I just have to write songs then yeah Um, so I started just booking co-writes reaching out to people um, Mm -hmm. which was super painful because some people said no some people blew me off um, Mm -hmm. and then sometimes I felt like and then when people said yes that was almost worse because then I was like oh god do I really have to do this person yeah Yeah. Um, and so but it really helped me come out of my shell in terms of co-writing because I just Mm -hmm. it's just like everything else you just have to do it and practice and you'll get better at it um and so um I I I just found myself with a collection of songs eventually that I was really proud of and Mm -hmm. I wanted to make my next record and um just a friend of a friend um my you know it's it's Nashville so all your neighbors are like these incredible musicians but Mm -hmm. my next door neighbor is Steve Poltz who's a well-known musician and he gave us some of his records to listen to. And I just loved the production on his records. Yeah. And it turns out the guy who produced his the albums that I had was this guy, Billy Harvey, who just moved to East Nashville. And um, he and his fiance had a daughter, June, who was like right um, 
age-wise right between my two girls and we all became oh, really good friends yeah. so they were like our best friends and I felt really comfortable <clears throat> with Billy and really like, sort of safe with him and so I sent him you know my demos and um, I was like we should just make it at home because uh, you know I'm just like so out of practice and you yeah. know I'm not touring that much and he was like Susie first of all this is not a vanity project and if you're if you have low self-esteem right now musically the last thing we should do is just like do it casually at home he's like we need to like pull out all the stops and make the best album we can possibly make something that you will feel unequivocally proud of no matter what yeah. and i was like um, oh yeah uh, yeah i guess you're right so i went way out on a limb and um we hired a super all-star band which is not that hard in nashville because they're all around mm -hmm. but like leonard cohen's drummer and Damn. Like the, yes yeah the bass player like for miranda lambert and like just oh. ridiculous players and mm -hmm. we recorded it at an awesome world-class studio um i couldn't really afford any of this um and after it was all done and i had alex berger do a photo shoot and I never yeah. got like a stylist for a photo shoot but yeah. I was like no, this time I'm oh doing, yes I'm doing everything right I'm just gonna do I am doing everything right for this album so I you. took my time I didn't put any deadlines on myself I took time mixing we took time mastering I took time with a photo shoot I took time designing the album art with this really great guy Patrick Larney um and then I did a kickstarter campaign and prayed to everything holy that I would make back some of the money. Yeah. Um, and um, I was able to raise $18,000 towards the Whoa. album. Nice. And, um, and I, I'm just so proud of it. I feel like they're real honest songs about my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, I think like I, and I, I felt great about the album even before it was released, which is a really good feeling. I didn't, that's I really had special. hopes for it and I wanted it to do well and sell and mm -hmm. get good press, but I, I didn't even care. Like I felt, I just felt like this is my best work. This yeah. is the best I can do. So if someone criticizes it, I don't like, I can't do it. I don't better. care. This is yeah. The best yeah. I can do. Um, yeah. And I have never gotten so much fan mail about a record as I had for this one. That's so um, beautiful. Just people texting me and um, emailing me and finding me on social media saying, I heard this song on the radio when I was driving home and I had tears streaming down my face. And like, that's exactly how I feel. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I put my heart and soul into it and I think people can feel it. Is it called Under the Surface? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm adding it to my library right okay. now. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it today. Okay. So as soon as we're finished, I can't wait. Okay. I'll, and I'll send you a message on Instagram. We were recording. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I saw, I listened to the one song on your, um, your Instagram page and I was just like, oh, this is so beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to add, it's completely my style. I know it's your style, D, because it sounds like something you would have sent me. D keeps me relevant. Oh, nice. I do. I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm still listening to like Alanis Morissette from like Jagged <laughs> Little Pill or whatever, but um, Jagged Little she keeps Pill. me relevant. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Oh, um, I know, I know. But she sends me new stuff. So it sounds like something she would have like sent me over. But <laughs> that's awesome. I have kind of a selfish question. Yeah. Um, which we're nearing the end. So I will make it not long. But how so you alluded to this a little bit as well but how did you find your creativity again when you felt like you were so busy and burned out was it just giving yourself time to do all of this or just making a conscious decision like I gotta get it back together I feel you mean when I was like depleted. kind of lost in in young baby land yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um well one really big breakthrough I had was um I rented a, a like a there was this, I forget what it's called. Anyway, a friend of mine, I said, like, who's also a dad, I said, how do you write in your house with your kids around? And he's like, oh, I don't. Who can do that? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I feel better then because I just couldn't. And I also didn't have a room in my, I didn't have a room in my house that was my own. Um, <laughs> every place where I could physically be was either right outside my kid's bedroom, so I couldn't do that or in our bedroom is right above my husband's studio so all the noise that he was making would be through there so I had like no uh, physical space in my house yeah. so he said oh you should check out this place I forget what it's called now but it's a building on music row 
just like an old house and it has a bunch of rooms and you pay Is it 40 still bucks there or did it get torn down? And... <laughs> no, it's still there. It's okay, more expensive good. now. Um, but, um, um, and he said you pay 40 bucks a month and you can just book three hour blocks whenever you want. Oh, um, wow. So That's I so joined nice. that and I just made, I went twice a week when I wasn't working at least once a week. And, um, and I just made myself sit there and put my phone on airplane mode and mm -hmm. just being physically away from my responsibilities at home yeah. and, mm -hmm. um, and just not having anything with me besides a guitar. Of course I was petrified when I first went, cause I was like, I don't know how to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. I suck. I'm just going to hate myself after this, you know? And so I told myself, well, I'll just figure out a cover or something if I can't think of anything to write. Um, just to be easy on myself, just to just have my guitar in my hands. Um, and of course I wrote a song like, because I just had the time and the space to do it. Um, it wasn't a particularly great song. I never recorded it, but that didn't matter. I felt great that I wrote a song. And yeah. then once you're, once you start, like once you're writing, you keep writing because you have melodies in your head and you're, you just, it just, you start the train again. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really what helped me a lot was just making physical space and time for it. Um, and then just trying to be more bold about the co-writing because yeah. co-writing really helped me make time for it. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I tell you 99% of the time when I'd be on my way to these rights, I would feel like, Oh, all I want to do is take a nap or, you mm -hmm. know, we have so much to do and I just don't feel like this. I don't feel creative, mm -hmm. you know, and then you sit down and you have no idea what what you're yeah. feeling or what you're thinking and it just comes right out like five minutes yeah. someone starts drumming and you have a melody idea and you know and I would leave them just feeling so great so happy yeah. um so the co-writing thing is really helpful to me because it, it it just makes me make time for it that makes sense complete really sense yeah all right I do have a another question yeah just to kind of end it all mm -hmm. um are you going to start a family band Oh, well, um, I don't know, you know, like <laughs> Scott, Scott and I are really like-minded about our kids and music. We just want yeah. them to love it. We don't care. Yeah. We don't want them, like whatever they want to do, they can do. We just want them to love it. Yeah. Um, so if they want to, sure. If they don't want to, sure. That's I just awesome. feel like, I just want them to just love it as much as we do. Like I, wow. we're not like those kind of parents who are like, yeah, like, you can't listen to that. I mean, I think it's going to be a little tough when they get into the super profane pop yeah. music that's going to be a little tough to swallow but in general I don't I just want them to love it no matter what it is and do whatever they want with it I just want them to be happy and just feel like yeah. they can do themselves so yeah so maybe that'd be really fun they're both still really tone deaf <laughs> so I don't know that we'll be singing together we'll see <laughs> love it okay so Susie where can people find you like yeah you can find me everywhere um all this all the places um my website is suziebrownsongs.com which is s-u-z-i-e and then brown like the color and then songs s-o-n-g-s dot um, com and then on facebook um same thing Susie. i think it's if you just google Susie brown facebook Susie brown instagram Susie brown twitter Susie brown youtube you can find yeah. me on all those places great awesome well, thank you so much for coming yeah, thank on. You. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great meeting you guys. Yes. You're you such too. a badass. This is awesome. You're awesome. Thank You're you. seriously so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, right. um, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. On Twitter, we are at the WOMED podcast. On Instagram, we are at the WOMED. You can find Danny at Nurse Abnormalities and myself at DM Maltby. And just follow along with us and like the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, all the good things. This has been another awesome episode of the WOMED. We're out. See ya. Bye.